Hey friends, welcome to the Highland Church Podcast. We believe that you were made for God's mission. We encourage you to check out our website, highlandcc.org, where you can learn more about what you are called to in Christ Jesus. Let's hear a message today that we hope will challenge, encourage you, and ultimately help you to grow and identify your purpose in the plan of God. It's Halloween today. And so we're going to be in Mark 13. And you may notice, and you, if you've got a Bible and you want to turn there, you can. It's also going to be on the screen. And if you're watching online, it'll be on the bottom of the screen. Thanks for joining us. You'll notice that I totally skipped Mark 13 as we were going through Mark. And so if you went back and read Mark 13 to figure out why, you'll know why. Because it is scary. Spooky. And so it's kind of the perfect place to go for Halloween. That's where we're going to be. Let me set that up in just a second. First, one more thing. Thanks for being so gracious and hospitable hospitable to my mom and dad last week when they were here. My dad preached for us. And uh, I'll tell you, if you heard preaching that good every week, you might turn out like me. (laughs) But fortunately, you don't have to worry about that, right? Yeah, that was was a blessing. Lindsay and I were in D.C. I did a wedding for a friend and preached at his church Sunday morning. And then I got to watch my dad in the airport on the way home. He started crying. I'll tell you, in the airport, I was weeping like a baby. (laughs) So, of course, I'm all snotty because I'm weeping. Everybody's like, he's got COVID for sure. (laughs) And that is not the guy you want to be in the airport right now. Okay, that was me. Dad, you did great last week. Loved having you, my friend. All right. Let me set up Mark 13. We're going to be in Mark 13, verse 24. And... The four verses that follow really summarize the whole chapter, but let me set those verses up. Jesus predicts the fall of the temple at the beginning of Mark 13. And his disciples ask him, when's this going to happen? And instead of answering that exactly, the temple does fall, AD 70, instead of answering that, he begins to talk about what will happen when the temple falls and what will happen afterwards. And he begins to talk about the whole of our lives as followers of Jesus and what is going to happen in the world around us. And he uses symbols and metaphors to talk about it. You know, you, you shouldn't read this and try to, to, to figure out kind of the, the exact course of history based on signs and stuff like that. It's symbolic. It's like reading Revelation, okay? And so... We're going to enter into this passage in Mark 13, 24, after he's been describing what's going to take place. And this really summarizes everything he says. This is what he says. Excuse me. In those days, after the suffering of that time, the sun will become dark and the moon won't give its light. And the stars will fall from the sky and the planets and other heavenly bodies will be shaken. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and splendor. The word is glory or light, light. Then they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds with great power and splendor or glory or light. And then he, Jesus, will send the angels and gather together his chosen people from the four corners of the earth and from the ends of the earth to the end of heaven. It's Halloween, as you know, and um, here's the thing I don't like about Halloween as a parent, that it doesn't start till dark. Why? Um, 
you know, when did the whole world get together and decide we weren't going to start the Halloween festivities till dark? What if we just started at like 4 p.m. after nap time, but before dark? You know, the, those spiders and cobwebs and ghosts aren't scary to my kids during the day. They're just silly. But you turn off the lights and it's a recipe for scaring all the small humans in the gentry family. Why? Why do we decide that, right? I wasn't invited to that meeting. If you read Mark 13, the whole of it, and especially here starting in verse 24, it sounds like it could be the start of a Halloween movie. In those days after the suffering of that time, the sun will become dark. The moon won't give its light and the stars will fall from the sky. There's that darkness again. Reminds me of that song and, and the music video, which I, I'm ashamed to say I've, I've seen. Michael Jackson's Thriller. You've never seen it or heard it. Yeah. Darkness falls across the land. The midnight hour is close at hand. Sounds like that. I was walking around this morning doing this number, and Lindsay's like, what are you doing? <laughs> Breeshan appreciates that. <laughs> Mark 13 is odd, and so is the thriller music video and song, right? They're, they're both odd. Mark 13 is what we call apocalyptic, which makes us think about shows like The Walking Dead or The End of the World, zombies and stuff like that. And that's, that's not what... Jesus is talking about. What apocalyptic is in the Bible is, is when someone uses metaphors and symbols to talk about the world as it really is, or about the world as it will be. Think about Revelation, similar to that. And so Jesus is talking symbolically here, and he's describing the world. After he leaves, what's going to happen in the world? And, and again, he's using a symbol or a metaphor. And what he says is that the world's going to become increasingly dark. There's going to be suffering. Everything's going to be shaky or unsteady. He says everything will shake, right? The world is going to be increasingly dark. It's going to be like somebody turns off the lights and you are living in darkness, he says. Which makes me think about Halloween, because tonight, we're going to send our kids off, and I'm going to be like three feet behind them. We're going to send our kids off into the dark. Jesus, this is his farewell discourse, is what we call it, kind of the last talk he gives to the disciples as he's about to send them off into the dark. And the question is, how do I live in a world of darkness? I'll tell you what my boys think. They think that the way to face the darkness is to fight it. We've been trying to decide what they should be for Halloween. I say we, I mean they, and they've been thinking about it since Christmas. But at first, they wanted to be Captain America, and then they wanted to be Iron Man, uh, Aquaman. You know, they've gone through all of them. But what they settled on was ninjas. Okay. And the reason they picked ninjas is because we went to the costume store, and they noticed that if they got the ninja costume, then they also got the nunchucks or the sword. You know, they wanted the weapons that came with this. So we bought them ninja costumes, and those nunchucks and swords broke on the drive home, <laughs> which caused three meltdowns in my car on the way home. But think about that. They think my three little ninjas, Rocky, Colt, and Tum Tum, they think the way to face the darkness is to fight it with weapons. 
And then I think about the little girls that I know. Little girls are so different from little boys. We've got this little girl in our neighborhood who our boys run around with, and recently she talked our boys into doing a diet cleanse with her. <laughs> She's nine. And our boys are like, what's a diet cleanse? And she says, you eat healthy stuff and you drink water. And they're like, okay. And the next morning they woke up and what they don't, what she doesn't know, sorry, is that they spend about 10 minutes debating whether cinnamon toast crunch counts. <laughs> and then they decided they just didn't care. And they, they ate. The little girls I know tonight are going to be princesses. They're going to be queens. They think if they can be beautiful enough, they can keep the darkness at bay. Think about that. Think about that. And then you have your teenagers. And, um, you know, there's always the teenagers that run around on Halloween night, too. And, and noticeably, they're no longer princesses and they're no longer ninjas. You know, they're grim reapers and they're witches and they're scary things. And my hunch is that our teenagers are as afraid of the dark as my kids are as I am. But it's easy to convince yourself when you're a teen that maybe the best way to keep the darkness away is to dabble in it. Maybe you can make the darkness not so scary if you experiment just a little with it. And then there are those of you, and in the chapel several raise their hands, don't do this. Then there are those of you who tonight are gonna shut your doors, turn off your porch lights, pull the car in the garage, go to bed early, and hope nobody rings the bell. <laughs> hope that darkness doesn't know that you're home. Right. Here's what I think scares us about the dark. And this is something the Bible pulls together again and again, and I'll show you that in a second. I think what scares us about the darkness of our lives is death. Um, I came across a story recently, this young mom who was widowed, she had a daughter who was eight. One October day, her daughter comes storming into the house. She throws her bike down on the ground. She says, I'm never riding my bike again. And her, her mom looks out the window. She's trying to make sense of this. And she looks out the window and the neighbor has erected a makeshift graveyard in their front yard. These styrofoam rest in peace gravestones and these plastic skeletal hands coming up from the ground. We're scared of death. You know that? Death used to be a pretty regular part of life. You know, there was a time in, in the not-so-distant past that when pretty much everybody who died, pretty much everybody who died or passed away was displayed in their own home, in a room in the home called the what? Parlor. Mid-20th century, some homemaker magazines realized that people weren't doing that as much because now we had a funeral parlor. So those homemaker magazines renamed that room in your house. You know what they named it? The living room. The living room. We're scared of death. We're scared of it. What the Bible says is that the darkness of our world, the confusion, the disorientation, the scariness is tied to our fear of death. And isn't it odd that one night a year we embrace death? It speaks to the confusion of the dark on our minds. If we can make death inflatable, maybe it won't haunt us. You know. <clears throat> so let me show you something about 
scripture here. Pull up John 3, Will, if you don't mind. This is John 3, 19 through 20. I was talking to a young man this week. Awesome young man. I love this guy. And he's somebody who's thinking about stepping out from a world or a life of darkness into the light of Jesus Christ. And what he asked me, Eric, he said, Eric, you know, here's the, here's the thing. I can't understand why I should stop doing those things if Jesus is just going to always forgive me. And there's no consequences when I do the wrong thing. And I'm not going to you know, tell you everything about this young man's life, but his life is a wreck. And that's why he was talking with me. And I said, no consequences. There are absolutely consequences for the things we decide to do in the dark. Listen to what we read in John. In John, John describes Jesus in chapter 1 as the light and the life. So the opposite would be darkness and death. And then he says this, the light came into the world and people loved darkness more than the light for their actions are evil. And all who do wicked things hate the light. They don't come to the light for fear that their actions will be exposed to the light. Well, how could people love darkness? I mean, you think about on Halloween night, all these people coming and going in the dark. How could people possibly love that? And Paul says in Ephesians, it's because we were dead. And the dead like the dark is what he says. You were dead as a result of those things that we did wrong. He goes on to say, you were once darkness. Wake up, sleeper. Get up from the dead. So, you know, Halloween is its own kind of apocalyptic or, or symbolic world. It's telling this story about humanity. This, this tendency we have to be drawn in by the dark to those things that lead to death. And it makes sense of the world around us, why the world would embrace things that we can't imagine them possibly embracing. It's because they are caught up in the dark, trying to navigate life, trying to find their way through this world in the dark. Can you imagine how hard that is? Can you imagine how hard that is? Let me tell you about this uh, family in our old neighborhood. Lindsay's sitting down here where uh, we, we've trick-or-treated for the last few years. And we're actually going to go back in that neighborhood this, this, this evening. Every year, this one family in our neighborhood on Halloween would string up all their Christmas lights in their yard. And that, the whole house would just glow. And uh, you would come to the house, and they would have a fire going in this fire pit in their front yard. And then on this table beside the fire, there was everything you needed for s'mores. Uh, marshmallows, chocolate, graham crackers. And there was this guy who was standing there and he would say, you want, you want some more? And you'd say, how can I have some more if I haven't had anything? And he'd say, you're killing me, Smalls. Every day. <laughs> Sandlot. They'd have everything you need for s'mores. And then they had this other table where they had these thermoses full of hot cocoa. And so one of the kids' jobs, instead of trick-or-treating this kid, his whole job was to go and fill these thermoses with hot cocoa all night long. So he's just going back and forth to the microwave, making hot cocoa. And they brought out every lawn chair that they had. And none of the lawn chairs matched. And they put them out in their front yard around the fire. And then they hung up this white bed sheet. And they would display a, a Halloween movie on this bed sheet in the front yard. And it wasn't anything scary. It was like Spookly the Pumpkin or, or Casper the Friendly Ghost. And they would invite everybody 
made to just come into their front yard under these Christmas lights and watch Spookly the Pumpkin and eat s'mores and hot cocoa. And you know, the funniest thing happened. By the end of the night, everybody in the neighborhood is there. Everybody's there. You know, drawn in by this light. In this dark world, drawn by this light and the blessings that are there. Makes you think about what Jesus said last week. My dad talked about us as the salt of the earth right after that. You remember what he says, Matthew 5, you are the light of the world. A city on top of a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a basket. Instead, they put it on the top of a lampstand and it shines on all who are in the house. And in the same way, let your light shine before people so that they can see the good things you do and praise your Father who's in heaven. Man, I've been thinking about this all week. You know, Halloween's coming, this world of darkness where we embrace these strange, odd things, things that are sometimes destructive to us, and think about what it means to be the light. And so I started gathering supplies for Halloween. I'm trying to get ready for this. And I'm committed to being the light this, this year in my neighborhood. I'm really excited about this. So I started collecting stuff. And Russ got a picture of what I'm going to hand out tonight at Halloween. Get a little bit closer. Let's get a little bit closer. I want you to really see this. They're going to come to my house. And I'll be like, kid, you think you want chocolate. What you actually want is a styrofoam circle and some sour juice. No, that's not what I'm going to give out tonight. I'm going to give away my kids' candy is what I'm going to do tonight. (laughs) Hey, think about this. Think about this with me. All right, think about this with me. Isn't there something special? As people called to be the light of the world, people called to love our neighbors, that on one night of the year, our neighbors are going to come to us. They're going to come ringing your doorbell tonight. Are the lights going to be on? You're the light of the world, he says. And I think, you know, we think about the darkness, and the darkness is scary, absolutely. And there are times to fight the darkness to resist the darkness, absolutely. But you got to ask yourself, like, why should I bless people coming to me out of the dark? And why should I, why should I be this beacon of light, giving blessings of candy to, to people coming to me out of the dark, embracing these masks wrapped up in these behaviors and identities they shouldn't be wrapped up in. Why should I bless those people? We know why. Listen to this. Listen to this. This is from Luke. Love your enemies, do good, and lend expecting nothing in return. If you do, you'll have a great reward. You'll be acting the way the children of the Most High act, for he is kind to ungrateful and wicked people. Be compassionate just as your father is compassionate. In Mark 13, Jesus makes this really radical claim. The first part of it is scary. He says, this world's going to get increasingly dark. And look around you, has it not? 
People are going to embrace things they shouldn't embrace, and it's because they're confused by the darkness of the world that they're living in. And then he says, I will come back. Your world will go increasingly dark, but I will come back, and when I do, this world will be full of light. And by that light, my angels will go out and they will collect from the farthest reaches of the earth to the farthest reaches of heaven. Those are dead or alive. They will collect all who belong to me and they will be drawn once and for all into my glorious light. Peter says, you were called out of darkness into his marvelous light. The light within us, the light that shines through us is not ours, it is his now, we are this vessel for this eternal, glorious, powerful light to reach a world in darkness that they might be drawn into it and receive the blessings to be found there. Do your neighbors know you are light? Are you the one they would come to? They were trying to escape the dark. Why don't you show them tonight? We're going to take the Lord's Supper together right now. And, um, you know, the history of Halloween's pretty interesting history. There's certainly some pagan parts of it, but there's also some Christian parts of it. For instance, the term hocus pocus, you know where that comes from? When priests used to administer the Lord's Supper, they would say in Latin, hoc est corpus maium, which means this is my body. People trying to make sense of how that bread became the body of Jesus, what they heard is hocus pocus. It's not magic, it's grace. It's the power of our Lord and Savior. As we take this meal, when we remember his body broken for us and his blood shed for us, may we become light in him. Let's pray together. God, I thank you for what you have done for us in Jesus Christ. Our world is indeed dark, but you are the light. God, I pray that you would make us the light. That we might shine for your sake and for your glory. That we might bring those currently in darkness into the light. That when that day comes, you might collect them from the farthest ends of the heavens and the earth. And to that end, we pray in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Let's take this meal together.